Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Total Dream Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Thomas Dickert, and I'm excited to have you here with me today. This week marks a milestone in podcast history because we are having our first interview today. Today I'm interviewing chef and musician Katie Cooney. Um, It's a really exciting interview. We talk about her, we talk about her history, and we talk about some health uh, journeys that she's been on. Uh, and some alternative therapies that she's tried along the way. So I'm excited to share that with you. But first, let's talk a bit about what's going on. Um, Obviously, with the interview, this is new. So let me know what you like about the interview. Let me know what could have worked better. Um, Definitely let me know if you know anyone you think would be a good interviewee for the podcast. Uh, Anyone here in New York City, small business owners, creative types, uh, interesting people, fun stories, uh, people that have been on interesting health journeys, anything you can think of that might make for a fun podcast, uh, I'm down to talk to them. So let me know. Reach out to me on social. Um, I've been doing my kind of mini loosely defined challenge, my 24-day challenge, a little bit of a detox uh, to get ready for the summer, clean the body out, reset everything. Um, One of the things that's been really obvious to me since the beginning, but that I'm seeing now that I'm kind of a week into my little program, is that the idea of being sustainable versus the idea of doing something that I'm going to burn out on has really been helpful for me. in the past, I tend to sign up for things like, oh, yeah, let's do that. That sounds intense. Let's like, you know, run a thousand miles or let's only eat kale for three weeks or whatever it is. And while those things are fun and then when it's appropriate, you can learn a lot about yourself. Where I was at right now, it wasn't the right time for me to do something like that. It was much more uh, appropriate for me to do something that's going to support healthy habits going forward. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, The other thing about it is I'm being patient with myself and I'm being flexible with myself. Um, You know, I have some main goals in the challenge that are kind of non-negotiables. And then I have a couple things in the challenge, you know, that would be nice, you know, like a second workout or, um, you know, whatever it might be that I'm a little less strict with. So the challenge is going well. Uh, I have my goals set for it. I also have my rewards set for it. So I know what my reward is, and I'm well on my way to earning it. Moving on. Um, so like I said last week, I stopped reading the book that I was not like resonating with or enjoying at all, uh, and I moved on. And I'm very happy because then I started listening to a book called Shoe Dog, which is the story of Phil Knight, who's one of the co-founders of Nike. Um, and it's a really, really interesting story. I can't put it down. Um, there's so much about it I'm enjoying from the historical perspective to his personal journey to his kind of business decisions and thought process along the way. It's also really fascinating to see how life was different in the 1970s. You know, you could just hop on a plane, fly to Japan and convince them that you had a shoe company. And, you know, next thing you know, you've started a shoe company and there's a lot more to it than that. But it's a really interesting story. And I think I'm going to try and enter my like biography era. So I'm going to try and read some more biographies this year that I find interesting and see what I can learn from those people's uh, journeys and their thought processes and see what I can add to mine, what I can swipe and deploy and put into my own life and really uh, use to help make it a great year. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, we're still in like the best sports time. Uh, the Eagles won the draft. Good for the Eagles. Shout out to Howie Roseman. You're welcome on the podcast anytime. Um, the Devils made it to round two of the NHL playoffs, so let's go Devils. Uh, big win for the Sixers. They won their first uh, their first game against Boston, which was a huge win. And uh, yeah, let's see how far that can go. The Knicks are rolling, so that's been a lot of fun. And the hockey playoffs, the, like the two number one, like most most likely to win the whole thing, they're out. So anything goes now. It's going to be a really exciting uh, hockey playoffs, and I'm excited to see how far teams can go. Um, What else is going on? This week we're going to go to the American Museum of Natural History. They have a new area in there that we're very excited to check out, so I'm looking forward to that. And it's time to get the bicycle down off the wall and start commuting to work on my bicycle. Um, I don't know how things are where you are, but here in the Northeast, allergy season is in full effect. 
Um, obviously, this week we're doing an interview episode, but next week I think we're going to be doing an episode about allergies and how to better control them and manage them naturally. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And then I had a listener request who reached out to me out in the Pacific Northwest. And this listener had a question about uh, commuting. She recently has a longer commute to work. She's using some of that time to listen to the podcast. So thank you very much. I'm very grateful for you. Um, but yeah, my favorite little tip for like proper posture and proper positioning when I'm in the car. So when I get in the car, I sit in the seat. I adjust the seat the way I want it. I sit up as straight as possible with the best posture and the most correct driving form. And then when I have that form, I adjust the mirrors so that from that position, I can see everything I want to see. That way, if I start to slouch while I'm driving or I start to slump off to one side, all of a sudden I can't see the mirror the way I like and I'll naturally sit back up so I can get a better view. So that's your tip of the week. Um, stay tuned. It's going to be a great interview. Uh, reach out to me on social. Reach out to Katie. Follow her band. Uh, let me know what you like. Let me know what you want more of. Uh, as always, get out there. Get uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, have a great week. Welcome to another episode of the Total Dream Life Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Thomas Dicker. I'm a chiropractor, meditation teacher, entrepreneur, and lover of life, and I'm excited to have you join me for this week's episode. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Our, our first ever uh, guest on the podcast. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Katie, um, Katie Cooney. Um, my name um, is actually Catherine, but I go by Katie. Uh, I am a chef, I am a musician, um, and I live in Brooklyn. Very cool. How long have you lived in Brooklyn for? Oh, off and on for about 20 plus years, I'd say. All right, definitely. Yeah, I've definitely lived in a, a couple other cities, but I would say Brooklyn's home. All right, cool. How long have you been a chef for? Ooh, long time. Yeah? Long time. Uh, I went to culinary school out of uh, high school. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time, and uh, I was cooking in restaurants for a long time. Um, some like four and five star restaurants um and i really did love it um you know i loved the whole rush of it the vibe the atmosphere you know the kind of um people that i'd work with and just kind of the personalities and stuff and then um you know within time it was kind of like getting old because it's like you get home at two or three in the morning mm -hmm. and like you know really long hours and you know we all know that um the industry doesn't really pay that great. So um, I kind of made some shifts and that kind of was um, also in, in uh, kind of in time with uh, making some conscious health decisions in my life. Um, so I started private chefing and mm -hmm. I was doing that um, in the, I guess what people think of private chefing, like, you know, you're cooking for, um, you know, whatever clients or, employers that you have and you kind of you know travel with them and whatnot and mm -hmm. that was the case and I, I did do that for about three and a half years and then COVID happened <clears throat> excuse me and then um you know I kind of found a little bit of a niche industry within mm -hmm. private chefing uh which you know we all kind of had to stop going to restaurants because they were closed and we had our lockdown and whatnot but people still wanted to kind of entertain. Um, so they were doing it within their homes. So let's say like, you know, grandma's turning 85, but like even when restaurants did reopen and whatnot, um, you know, they didn't want to bring grandma into, right, you know, right. a restaurant with other people because she, you know, has some sort of, um, you know. Totally. Yeah. Um, so what I started to do was just go into people's homes and cook for them. And that's still what I do. And I, um, over the last couple of years, just been building a nice little cult client base that just continually comes back to me. So, so is it more like people are like, Hey, we're having a party. Let's get Katie in. She can yeah. run everything for us and that. Yeah. And everything really, it really varies depending on what, you know, a client's looking for. Some people, you know, they just want a straight up dinner party. It's like 10 or 12 people. They're just entertaining, blah, blah, right, blah. Right. 
you know, other times it might be like, oh, we're having this fundraiser, like we want a cocktail party, it's going to be at this space. Um, and that might entail like a little more planning, a little more work, and then like having to, um, you know, get some servers and bartenders involved. And um, But for the most part, I would say I try to stick to my end of everything, mm-hmm. which is really just the chefing and the cooking. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I would say that it's really just, a lo- I, I really just try to do dinner parties. Because yeah. um, they're, I don't want to say easier, um, but... I find that just more like personable and yeah. intimate um, okay. as opposed to, you know, having a 40 person function or something and you're just like, you know, pumping out some, right, right. Um, you know, hors d'oeuvres and whatnot. I feel like doing the dinner party thing is more of like an experience just as if people when they, you know, they go to restaurants and stuff. But it's really just more um, like fine tailored to what um, the client's looking mm. for and like what kind of, you know, dinner they're having. So... Since you spend a lot of your time cooking for other people, does that like wear you out when you go home? Or are you like, I don't want to cook for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, let me just throw something together. Or yeah, hundred percent. So, how do you kind of like <laughs> work around that cooking fatigue and still find a way to make yourself healthy food to support your lifestyle? Um, you know, that is a really great question. Um, I think I, in general, just kind of flock to foods that are healthier so yeah while I'm not necessarily cooking for myself at home um just because the thought of you know going into another grocery store and then like you know going home to prep stuff and going home to cook stuff it's kind of like you know when you're not working it's like I feel like anybody in any industry could probably feel the same way um yeah I I feel like I just end up um you know I I end up eating a lot of salads and stuff, things that I can kind of just throw together like real quickly, like nothing that I'm going to like have to sweat out a bunch of onions and like Mm -hmm. some garlic and blah, blah, blah. Like I'm not getting into the whole like, I'm going to like prep all this stuff out. Now if I'm like, you know, having dinner with somebody or whatever or cooking for somebody like, you know, like we are making a date of it, that's a totally different, you know, scenario. But if it's just me, I mean, I'm perfectly fine ordering some tacos. You know, like somebody can cook for me. So Amen to that. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely probably not um, going to be, you know, looking to seek out fried food or something like that. Right. I, I tend to eat very healthy because I think from all the years of working in fine dining, it's like you're constantly tasting things that are loaded with butter and mm-hmm. cream. And like you just don't feel well after that. You right. just feel really like disgusting so I feel like over time um, as time wore on I kind of realized the foods that really make me feel better so mm-hmm. you know veggies and um, fruits and lean proteins and things like that and kind of steering clear of you know a lot of things that are sugar-based and um, and of course like you know I'll definitely have some stuff here and there but I think I, I definitely got some some of my quota in in my earlier years where I'm like how is that going to make me feel So you know? that kind of leads into my next question which was going to be what like were you always attracted to better foods or is this something that's kind of developed as you've gone and like kind of gone through your own health journey and yeah. figuring out what works best for you Yeah that's it's definitely not something I was always attracted to I feel like I mean, like when you have, when you're working with like some of the best pastry chefs in the country, so I mean, it's really easy to be like, hey, can I taste that? Hey, Laura, people will come up to you and be like, hey, can you try this? And, um, you know, I think it really does, it it became kind of a progressive thing. Um, I definitely had some, some health stuff that, you know, came up, um, you know, some years ago that kind of also made me have to fine tailor some things. I had to kind of eliminate some salt from my diet or mm-hmm. all, lots of salt or um, I had to kind of focus on more um, clean eating, okay. I guess, overall, um, which, you know, I think with that little nudge or something, I think it kind of did elevate me into a place of, you know, really trying to also provide that for a client mm-hmm. um, because I kind of had to focus on it for myself for a while. But I also realized there's so many people out there that, um, you know, besides wanting to eat healthy and sure we can talk about dieting, but I'm not necessarily talking about that. You know, I think we all at this point know somebody who has, you know, dairy intolerance or like gluten intolerance and all those things. And I think, you know, when that kind of first was being introduced into restaurants, you know, whatever kitchen I was in, it would be like, oh, now (laughs) it's just like the norm, you know. 
Right. Um, and you just realize that people have certain things and like myself, I have certain things and, you know, I kind of just decided to try to extend that mm -hmm. to my clients. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not really trying to offer clients like really hearty comfort food, if you will, unless that's what they want. Right. You know, so I feel like not only do I kind of, it's like I'm preaching what I'm cooking in a sense. It's like, you know, I'm eating healthy, but mm. then I'm also trying to cook healthy too for people. Very cool. So do you like, I guess the best way to say it is like, are there any like kind of go-to things, you know, like if you're in a pinch or you're like need to make a quick meal or something or like, you know, any special approaches you have or techniques that you use as far as like when you're constructing a meal in your head? I mean, I think, I think generally... I think starting with like the protein and working your way around that is usually um, probably the quickest way to kind of um, think about like your game plan if you kind of are in a pitch, pinch. Now, if somebody was like, oh, but I, I really love strawberries. Okay, well then like maybe I'm going to try to think of like some sort of like strawberry salad or something to and then like build around that. But I think starting with the protein and like if something had to be in a pinch, let's say like you know, you're, you're not going to look to do something that's going to take like 45 minutes to cook. Like ideally a piece of fish would be great because you can mm -hmm. like, you know, sear that in a matter of like, you know, 10 minutes or right, something. Right. So I think it's also practicality. And while, you know, maybe most people don't understand certain cuts of beef or certain this or certain that of, um, you know, what's going to cook quicker. Um, you know, I think if I had to be in a pinch, that's exactly, like, where my mind would go to. Right. Like, what's going to be quick and easy. And do you do any, like, kind of batching in the beginning of the week? Any prep for the week? Like, any thing yeah, like that? You know, I try to just do everything on site, wherever I am. There's definitely been instances where I might need to get a little bit ahead and um, kind of prep some stuff in my apartment and or, you know, actually cook some things and then cord it up and then like bring it with me type thing mm -hmm. when I'm going to the event. But generally I try not to do that because I feel like with most things it's like, you know, you don't really necessarily want to bring your work home kind yeah. of thing. So, Which is hard when your work is eating. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, it, yeah, I feel like I try to keep, I keep the, I try to keep them separate as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um I get like, I feel like I get a little more overwhelmed if I'm doing it in my apartment because then it's like, you know, I have to clear out some refrigerator space and then it's also like, I live in a five-story walk-up, which is great because I have a great outdoor space and like a really nice skyline mm -hmm. view and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, to kind of think about like lugging things up and down the stairs, it's not necessarily ideal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, I... I I think just in general, I think people, I mean, besides it being also against health code, um, right. I think people generally, if they're going to hire me, um, they want to, you know, see that what you're doing is like coming out of their kitchen. Yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of hard for the course on um, like the, en the end of the industry that I'm working in. Yeah. So personal question, we'll switch gears a little bit. Yeah. Are you more of like a go to the grocery store once and buy everything for the week type of person? Or are you more no. like me? Like I like to go like and basically shop for the meal that I'm about exactly. to have. Exactly. That's like, exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> which I'm, might not I'm be pretty the most, impromptu. Yeah. yeah. It might not be like the financially soundest way no, of doing it. No, it's probably not. Um, well, but, here's, here's the thing though. It's like I feel like, um, be, I mean, being also a musician, it's like between that and cooking, I, I juggle a lot, whether it's rehearsals, shows, um, this week it's recording, and then it's like I have gigs, but then I'm also like, you know, writing menus for people. It's like my schedule doesn't, I don't have a very normal schedule at all. Right. Um, it's pretty all over the place, and it's usually like fly by the seat of my pants kind of thing. So I think if I was to buy groceries for the week, I think half of them would probably go bad. Right. You know, I have to be real about that because it's, um, you know, like I said, I don't have a very like normal schedule. So it's like I'm, I'd say home maybe like two nights out of the week, mm -hmm. probably like eating for myself. And it, I might be like on my way to a rehearsal. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if I was to buy like that, like, you know, I... I don't know, maybe that is for me more financially sound <laughs> to do it like that. 
Um, but I'm also the type of person, let's say, like, if I bought a box of cereal, you know, like, I might eat that in the course of, like, two days. So, you know, uh -huh. some things I probably just shouldn't have around. So. What's your go-to cereal? Oh, <laughs> you know, I think back in the day, it probably would have been some really good sugary cereal because we didn't really grow up with that. But, um... I don't know. I guess I really like life cereal. Yeah. I do like Special K. Okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, my first thought was like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which is you just know what? Like... Oh my god, it's so true. You're you're absolutely yeah. That's yours. Which how wild is it that that's like even considered so food? So good. It's so good though. <laughs> but the thing is, is like yeah, I I'll go through that like in no time, and it's like you know the roof of my mouth will be all sore from yeah, like yeah. I, I can't even have cereal in my house. Like, that's what I'd, I'm saying. I'd just be sitting there eating it. That's what I'm saying. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about music for a bit. Yeah. You're in a band. I am. Tell me about your band. Uh, we're called Lubig Zero. Okay. And um, we are in the process of recording our EP. We're just about done. Um, we were in the studio all day yesterday. Um, we did the first half of it a few months ago. Um, and then we have to just lay down... A few more vocal tracks, uh, and then we'll be finished. And you do vocals, you do guitar. I you play do... guitar, I sing. Um, I'm not playing keys on any of these songs, um, but yeah, I play guitar and I sing. So it's, I would say it's like math, indie rock, post-punkish, um, like with some harmonies. How long have you guys been together? <laughs> I've been with them for about a year and a half. Okay, but um, they were together before that. Yeah, there's only, so the one, the one main guy, his name is Michael, he's, I mean, this has been his for a, a long time at this point, I want to say like 2019. Okay. Um, but obviously pandemic stuff and whatnot. Um, but then there's Ben who plays bass. He's been around for a minute. So I want to say also pre-pandemic, um, Michael, I guess probably, maybe he was a little bit earlier than that, but regardless, me and Lucas, I guess are the newer members of it. Lucas got there a few months before me. He plays drums and then cool. enter me. Um, and yeah, right. yeah. So it's, it's been fun. We haven't really been playing shows. Well, we have a show on Friday. It's at Bar Frida. Um, but we really hadn't been playing shows because we were trying to be in the studio writing. Right, right. And then, you know, figuring out recording stuff and whatnot. So it's always like a process. Like, you know, if you're booking shows and playing shows, then when you're in the studio, you're rehearsing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, sure, like we might mess around and like play some jams and like come up with new ideas. But usually it's like you kind of have to focus on the thing that you're doing. Um, so I'd say like over the last several months, like the winter months, it's really just been more, um, you know, focusing on what we were going to be putting on the EP. And we just recently signed with a new label. Um, oh, congrats. Thanks. It's called Mint 400. Um, they're based out of New Jersey. They're kind of like a sibling um, label to a Brooklyn-based label called Trash Casual. Cool. Um, but yes, yeah, so we kind of, uh, yeah, we, we signed with them, I'd say, in January. We used to be on No Hope, excuse me, No Hope Records. Um, but unfortunately, due to COVID and stuff, like a lot of, you know, businesses, unfortunately, they kind of had to close up shop. It was, it was a tough hold on for them, so... Yeah. COVID was a weird time. It really was. It still is. You know, you know, we're still, I feel like, still all collectively traumatized. Oh, yeah. And that trauma is going to take a while. Like, it's not something we're going to be done with in a year. We're like, no. this is generational trauma on a mass scale. Oh, my scale. gosh. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, you, you think about it, too. It's like, you know, I was talking to my dad about this a few weeks ago. I don't know how it came up or why, but we were talking about, well, I do know actually why, but we were basically this conversation we're having right now. And I kind of brought up a memory. My my grandmother, she's she's she was born and raised in Greenpoint, but she uh, she's been you know she's passed away for some years now. But as long as I can remember, even when she was like ninety, like what she would do is like if it was somebody's birthday, she would still save the wrapping paper. Mm -hmm. But she also grew up like in the Great Depression. Yeah. So it's kind of like you know like I feel like my point to this is like. We are all still going to have these little weird idiosyncrasies, probably, 100%. like, when we're older, like, in our old age, just because inherently, like, you I, know, it's just, 
I think that makes a lot of sense. Time we lived in. Like, we probably won't even realize it. And, like, the younger generations, you know, within our family or close to us or whatever, will, like, pick up and notice those things. But we'll we'll just think it's, like, a, right. you know, nothing. It's also funny because, like, I came up with this idea the other day because, like, there's this concept that every hundred years we have a big pandemic, right? Oh, yeah. And it's so, like, like... To the dot. To the dot. I think part of it is, like, after going through the pandemic and going through all this nonsense and having everyone lose their mind and hate each other and attack everyone and you wore this or you didn't wear that and it's like COVID-20 could come out tomorrow. Nobody would, nobody would lift a finger about it because they'd be like, well, I'm not going back and doing that again. Right. We're not doing another two weeks to two years of flattening the curve. We're not doing, like, it's going to take 100 years before we forget about yeah. all the nonsense we've just been through. Yeah. Enough to be like, oh, yeah, we'll do that again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like it all have to have been like a major die off of like a generation, basically. Because yeah. like, yeah, it wouldn't be. I mean, I know we don't have books anymore, but like I always joke that like in the textbook, the history textbook, like the, the 2020s is going to be like oh this much of the book. <laughs> Lord. Yeah, it's probably why they're trying to start on banning books. Oh, yeah. It's um, absolutely insane. Never a dull moment here in the States. Oh, my goodness. No, there's not. I mean... Make sure you don't go in the wrong driveway. Or nope, it's crazy to, time. It really um, is. But back to music. How'd you get into music? Like, were you always playing music? Yeah. What was yeah. your first instrument? Uh, piano. I started when I was five. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my parents had a piano, and I I specifically remember. I have this memory, um, and ironically, I remember what it was. It was Debbie Gibson. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what song, but like whatever. It was playing, probably had like the CD because I loved it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, I don't know if that was, maybe that wasn't it. Maybe it was like Billy Joel because I guess I wouldn't have been that young. But my point is, I do remember playing Debbie Gibson, but I just would go up to the piano and start playing along, and my, my family would freak out and be like, How are you doing that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, so you just took to it naturally. Yeah, like, I, I just, I play by ear. Amazing. So, I mean, I, I've taken lessons of things over the years, but I have to say, like, my ear overtakes everything because I'm like, ah, I got this. <laughs> so it's like a lazy cool. man's approach. But um, I started playing piano at five and took lessons. And then um, I shifted into playing guitar at nine. I really wanted to play drums. And yeah, that was like a no-go. So to my parents' credit, uh-huh. They got me an electric guitar with like a little PV amp. It was a Yamaha Pacifica. Cool. It was right-handed. I play left-handed though. Okay. So I played upside down for like the first year and a half. Um, but my grown up, I had a friend. His name was Bobby. He played guitar, and um, yeah, he would he would teach me things and whatnot. So yeah, I was pretty stoked getting a guitar, and yeah, I played that for a while, and then like yeah, eventually. Um, I ended up starting to play bass. I ended up starting to play drums. I had, I would rent a drum kit and had it in an old apartment in um, Williamsburg um, before it even blew up. It, it was like they were right in my kitchen. Right. It was great because um, the lady downstairs was like 95 and couldn't hear anything. And the, my neighbor <laughs> upstairs, he was always out of town, a really great photographer. Um, so yeah, it was like nobody was really ever around. So. I was playing that, um, and you know, actually, I started I I started playing harmonica like when I was, I want to say like ten or something. I had a neighbor who played harmonica, like uh-huh. really sick blues harmonica. So okay. I just like went over and I'd be like, "Can you teach me how to play?" So that's great. Um, but yeah, I feel like in different bands, I I have played different instruments, but predominantly I I play guitar. Okay. that's that's my deal. Do you do like you write the music, you write the lyrics? You... Yeah, so it's there's a little bit of trading off um, for sure. I would say, you know, it's um, yeah, it's all it's all a give and take, if you will. So it's like you know we all kind of feed up, feed off of each other, and we go into the studio and try to uh, collaborate collectively. Sure, some people ha- might have like more input than others um, and more to share and. You know, I think there's definitely some songs um, that when we release them, like the predominance of it might be me, mm-hmm. whereas like the predominance, you know, might be more Michael. And I think it just kind of might, um, you know, really depend on who's got the energy, 
who's kind of like, you know, feeling something and maybe like introduce something and it just seems like that's the, yeah, the natural, like, you know, segue into things. Um, or it's just like a straight up collaboration. And even in regards to like writing lyrics, like Michael and I will kind of, you know, just send things back and forth to each other and maybe he'll have written something out. And then like, maybe I'll be like, uh, maybe we could like talk about this line and maybe we like end up rewording it or like, you know, scratching something. But then, you know, on the flip side, he'll kind of do that with me as well. That's so cool. yeah, I feel like we, we try not to, you know, like step on each other's toes in that regard, but at the same time, um, you know, like when you kind of, from an outside perspective, you know, I think doing anything when you kind of see something or like you're like not really picking up on something, maybe like exactly how they are, just from the outside perspective, you could be like, hey, you know, right. I feel like maybe we could go this way with it um, or that way. So, so your communication skills have to be on point too. Yeah. 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 I mean, that can definitely be. Um, and that's kind of whatever industry you're in, but like learning how to work with people and finding people that like you resonate yeah. and connect with is yeah. huge. And I imagine it's huge in having a band as well. It is, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like being in a marriage. Yeah. Not that I've been married, but I can only imagine. Um, <laughs> it's like, you're constantly like having to work on your communication skills. Right. It's, it, all right. So it's like, yeah, compromise and you're, having to figure out people's schedules and then like, you know, I can be here. Can you be there? Like, I need this. Can you help me with that? So it's a lot of like, yeah, compromising and just, you know, team playing. And, you know, I feel like kitchens, I feel like kitchens are a lot like that too. It's yeah, yeah. a lot of team playing because it's like everybody has their stations and ultimately like if you're putting together a dish, if you will, it's like, you know, I might be um, on saute and that guy's on grill and that guy's on fry, but we all have right. something on this plate, so we need to like time that correctly. Because right, you're I working think... towards a shared goal. Exactly. And everyone yeah. knows what their role is. Yeah. And knows how to perform and what they're expected exactly. of. And if everyone just does their job. Yeah, it all comes together. You, you get a and, meal at the end. Yeah, but if you get that person who's <laughs> got that ego or some pride, it's kind of like, you know, that's usually the, the monkey wrench in it because it's like, we, we could make this so much easier. Which sounds like it comes up because like, not to be so, too cliche, but like when I read uh, No Reservations by Anthony Bourdain, mm -hmm. like some of the most interesting parts of it is the drama and the dynamics oh, between people. And then you also have dry, drama and dynamics between band members. Like, oh, yeah. you live a life that is ripe with opportunities for oh, miscommunication. Yeah. Yes, 100, <laughs> especially when you have, you know, in both those industries, um, you know, I'd say they fuel on alcohol and drugs um, in a real heavy capacity. Not all. Right, right. But, um, you know, and, and you might just have one person, let's say, that you're, you work with or one person and you're in a band with. And not saying that's my experience right now, but certainly in the past. Yeah, it's yeah. like... You know, that that is just grounds for like somebody just imploding and eruption and causing drama. And, you know, it's also it's also aggravating because it's like, you know, you're there, you're doing your thing. You're like on point and somebody's just like half assing stuff. And you're like, yo, get it together, man. You know, and then there's like the defensive end of it. And it's like. I'm not trying to be like mean here, but like honestly, like you're just making this difficult for everybody. Right. So, yeah, they they do they very much like can go hand in hand. Um, they're very similar industries. Um, I would say when it comes down to, you know, the the team, the collaboration, uh, coming together with like the common goal. <clears throat> but the thing with too is I I feel like people do ask me this question fairly often. Of like, well, what do you like more? Do you like cooking more? Do you like music more? And you know, my answer usually is always, I, since I've been doing both for such a long time, I lo I do love both of them, mm -hmm. and I'm, it's a it's a total gift to be able to do both of them. Um, you know, I think they are very similar, in that they're both a process. It's like so if I'm building a dish or I'm building a song, you know, ultimately, you know, you look at a song. And you have your components, you have your drums, you have your bass, you have your guitar, you have your vocals, you know, maybe you have keys, fine. So you have all those different components and then, you know, you cut to if you have like a dish, you know, you have your veg, you have your protein, you have your, um, you know, whatever components are going to go on that dish. It's like they all need to be worked on indi individually. Mm. And so you kind of work on each thing individually 
And then ultimately the bottom line is you want that finished product to cohesively come together. Um, so I find that both have very much the same process of building. Um, and I think that, you know, being able to build something on a regular basis and kind of seeing the end result and then like seeing people's reactions to it. Um, it's, it's kind of a great thing to just constantly like be in that feed of, um, I guess kind of like a rewarding, validating kind of um, scenario, if you will. It just, you know, it makes you feel good because ultimately your goal is to extend that to people. So like in that process of building something, whether mm -hmm. you're building a dish or you're building a song or building the experience for something, like what's your superpower? Like what is it that you're really good at that has gotten to the point where you're still doing this, you know, 20 years later? 30 years later, um, you're still collaborating and still getting like joy and, and excitement out of it. You know, I really, I really enjoy feeding off of people and not like, not like in a narcissistic sense. Not, um, like an, not, not an energy <laughs> vampire. <laughs> no, no. Um, no I, I like feeding off of people and their energy in, in the most productive, positive way. Um, you know, where it's like, so for instance, like if we're in, we're in the studio, like, you know, just working on a song and, you know, somebody comes up with like a lick or something and it's like, keep doing that. And then like, you know, I kind of come up with somebody and then some, so it's like, you're kind of feeding off of each other. And without that energy, it's like, you know, if I was a singer song, songwriter and just doing my solo thing, I wouldn't really have that extra, like, um, that extra extension to maybe go out outside of what I would have maybe just had if it was just myself, if you right. will. When I was working in restaurants, it was kind of the same thing. Um, you know, it's kind of like you all have to kind of feed off of each other. And like if I was in the weeds, let's say somebody might jump in and help me, but then like vice versa, if, if somebody's in the weeds and like I was kind of ahead of my game, like maybe I can help them like bang out some prep or like help like kind of jump on their station and help them out, you know, doing whatever. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, now, like doing what I do now, it's um, in regards to cooking and being the private chef, but cooking these parties by myself, it's definitely a little bit different because it does really rely on me. And sometimes I'll have a sous chef, sometimes I'll have a co-chef. It might depend on, you know, what, it, how many people the event is for kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel like I've maybe learned enough or learned so much from working with so many people over the years in regards to cooking that it's kind of like with that, I'm kind of like maybe like a solo artist with that. I'm like, okay, like, I feel like I, you know, I think, I think part of it is cut, like kind of cutting out the riffraff and cutting out the fluff on that oh, yeah. end. Um, because I think my experience at this point is to kind of, you know, like, you know, just ward off kind of that drama, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, in regards to music, though, I feel like I'll never not work with people because I feel like I would be kind of limiting myself. And I feel like, you know, it just opens up so many doors and horizons of, you know, what you can work with. Right. Um, yeah. Very cool. Um, all right. So let's shift gears a little bit just in the interest of time. I don't want to mm -hmm. spend all day with you. But, oh, good. Uh, good. So we, one of the reasons we are having you on the podcast also is because you've had some health experiences mm -hmm. in your journey. Um, and I'll let you figure out how far you want to explain the mm -hmm. details of that. But one of the things that you've uh, found as like a tool in your, in your toolkit is something called PEMF mm -hmm. therapy. Yeah. So I'm going to also ask you a little bit about that sure. so why don't you just give us a little bit of like a background or a primer kind of what the scenario was what you were experiencing you know sure. with as much detail as you're comfortable with yeah um well pemf uh stands for pulsed electromagnetic field therapy um and it is a type of therapy that isn't really known um i would say it's very much under the radar um and I think that's very much done on purpose um, because I think establishments within our governments like Big Pharma um, and things like standards of care don't 
actually see these holistic kind of therapies as something that they want people to know about, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because, you know, they're profits, right? right. It's, it's, it's a, a lot money less, business. So. There's not so much money in curing things. <laughs> no. There's money there is, in having people exactly. on something exactly. for a very long time. So exactly. like drug companies, they're not doing research to cure things. They're doing research to come up with drugs that you get to then be a customer for the rest of your life. Exactly. Exactly. And I think Having to having been on the other side of um, you know having some major health ailments um, and if you will having some of these cured, um, I feel like you know it's 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 very aggravating. It's really um, it can make you angry um, just because people are not familiar with certain things. And I think also even if I do bring certain things up like this, you know, people shove it off because it's like, oh no, you're not, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I'm not a doctor. I'm not gonna ever pretend to be. Um, I had an unfortunate circumstance that turned into a very fortunate circumstance. Um, I mean, it goes back to 2016. I, um, I had to get sober. Mm -hmm. um, which was a huge turning point in my life, but probably the biggest gift I've ever been given. Um, it's probably the best thing I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't be able to juggle both the things I love right now if I hadn't done that. Um, I also wouldn't have the connections and the relationships that I do um, had I not gotten sober. Um, but mainly I had to get sober because, um, due to my drinking, I ended up with, ended up with pancreatitis, um, which is not really something that people are familiar with. People think of things like, you know, cirrhosis of the liver, or, you know, things that we hear common, commonly. Um, you know, I, I feel like, um, there's a few things. I mean, obviously working in restaurants, obviously playing music, just constantly, you know, being in a service industry where... Not only like, you know, might, you might be working and like, you know, they don't care that you're drinking there and, you know, like you get off and you have some shift drinks and or, you know, like your friends bartends. So in order to see them and hang out with them, like you go hang out with them like when they're at work and, right. you know, it just became a thing where eventually like I could walk into anywhere and like not really pay for any drinks or anything. And, you know, even if I wanted to kind of have like a chill night, it just really never would happen. Right. So. You know, I think part of it was, um, you know, the fact that I am a woman, you know, it was my, um, you know, women tend to end up with something like pancreatitis earlier than men. So mm -hmm. let's say it averages like around 35 years of age, uh, where men it's more like 50 years of age. And, you know, it, it has to do with metabolism. It has to do with body weight. Um, things that so it's showing up with like weight gain and that sort of thing, or is it like a pain discomfort thing? Like oh, what? it's. I mean, my point on what I was saying with that is just it would. It's something like that would manifest quicker in a right, female right. versus a male. Like male would be probably later, a little gotcha. bit later in life in years. Um, so this is why I never really. I was not familiar with what pancreatitis right, right. is, and um, that that's probably one one of the most painful experiences of my life. I mean, that was. I mean, I. I was hooked up to like five IVs and like it was, it was, I mean, I was in the hospital for two, two weeks. Um, but that said, it, it basically, it was kind of a cutoff for me. I mean, I also have a couple of heart defects. Um, those I actually was born with, but I, I have to say my, my drinking didn't help those. So right. that said, you know, I had to kind of make a life choice. Um, and obviously, um, I didn't really have much of a choice in right. the matters. It was kind of like, you know, life or death staring you in the face. So, you know, I, I chose life and here I am. So that said, um, I was really fortunate. Um, you know, there was a lot of shame that kind of went with that. Um, you know, the, the disease or, um, you know, the, the disorder that you want to, if you want to call it either way, um, that I ended up with due to my drinking. But the thing is, is that I stumbled upon PEMF, mm -hmm. um, which has absolutely opened up so many doors for me. Um, I was a private chef for um, uber rich people and okay. they had um, they had a holistic healer slash trainer. Um, his name is Arland and he is forever my guardian angel and we still keep in touch and but he, uh, he was LA based. He would train like, you know, pro athletes and whatnot. Um, but 
somehow uh, the people I was cooking for, I don't know how they linked up with him. They had a home in L.A. He was L.A. based. Um, but when we would go out there, I would, you know, end up having to stay out there for some time um, when we'd be out there. And, you know, um, Arlen would also come to New York when, um, you know, sometimes my old employer would want him out there. So that said, it kind of came up in conversation after a little bit because we got to know each other. Um, I, I totally trusted him. Um, and he was just such a great open, um, person that, you know, was extremely committed to healing people. And, you know, he is practice every kind of realm around being a doctor in medicine, except being a doctor. So he, turned me on to PEMF. He kind of had convinced, um, you know, these old employers of mine, his clients to, um, invest in this, in these machines for the PEMF. And when I was kind of confiding in him and like my past history and whatnot, he was like, okay, like we're going to, we're going to fix this. We're going to change this all. So he got me into getting this therapy and he would, you know, assist in doing it on me. Um, and obviously like there's machinery and whatnot that goes in, that's involved with it. Um, so what is the machinery like? Are you like getting hooked up to a console? Or are you laying in like a tanning bed? Like what's the, I guess, I mean, it's, it, there's, there's, um, yeah, there's like, there's a bed, there's different, like, there's also a chair, there's also, there's, I think it's different, like, accessories, so you could probably, like, buy, but there's a main, it almost looks like, um, you know, like, your old computer, yeah, yeah. where you had, like, the big, like, console, um, where, like, you know, all the electronic stuff, so, like, you'd put your disc in or whatever, uh -huh. it kind of looks like that, but it's basically got a tube that's hooked up to whatever mat you're on, so if you are in a bed, it's kind of hooked up to the mat that under you gotcha and then you'll place something on top of you or whether like I've had two fractured hands at different points um, and it's healed those um, I've had all sorts of different stuff I still get maintenance on my heart um, you know whereas the cardiologist like many years ago was like oh you're in trouble and like mm. these days they're like don't come back for five years like how did you do this right you know but it's that's awesome it's so crazy because it's like you know all the things that I've had in my history, um, you know, I guess whether there's something that had afflicted me earlier on in life to, you know, more later in life kind of thing, um, I'm able to, I was able to either eradicate um, those kinds of diseases and or kind of just get it to a place where like I can keep just like maintenance on it. Mm. Um, so that way, like it doesn't ever go back to like a severe yeah, place. Yeah. Um, so basically what the, the actual therapy is, it, it consists of, you know, magnetic fields and, um, you know, the energy, so we know is hurts, you yeah. know, it's like, um, lightning strikes the earth, like, you know, every day and it, it basically gets, resets the earth down to 7.8 hertz. Okay. Hertz is, you know, basically the amount of like vibrational energy kind yeah, of yeah. thing. So, you know, this machine is kind of built where it's, um, it's based off a of hertz, but pulses per second. So you can, there's different settings on it. So it's how much essential like energy you really want kind of pumping into a certain location. And it's, what it does is, um, I guess the best way to explain it is almost like, you know, recharging your phone. Mm -hmm. So like your phone is on 5%, just like humans can be. Um, you know, as soon as you, you plug your phone in and like you let that charge for like an hour, then you can have a full battery. It's essentially the same thing with us. So they initially started doing these practices, um, if you will, like back in the late 1800s. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say like up until like 1890s-ish. Um, and then they really started to crack down on them. There was, I think, seven or eight holistic hospitals like in, in the country. And they basically banned this kind of practice. So basically like Nikola Tesla. Right. You know, he's kind of the, the foreman, like instrumental kind of component to how this ever came about. Um, and standards of care, which came into practice, I'd say in like 1928, we had Rockefeller mm. and Vanderbilt. Yeah. And, you know, those big money men, big pharma, they right. basically, you know, told Congress, said... These are the only things that we can allow in standards of care. Right. Holistic treatments did not make the cut because oh. as we fast forward to all these years later, it is a huge money making industry. And like, you know, like the, the man that I had mentioned, Arland, um, 
you know, like he's helped people cure their cancer and stuff. Right. And, you know, it's like basically what it's kind of like, you know, if you can get your body and this is just based off of um, kind of a, a wattage thing with um, this kind of therapy. But like if you can get your body to negative, uh, excuse me, negative 50 millivolts of energy, that's when your body can start um, actually like it has enough juice to kind of start to renew and reform uh, cells that essentially couldn't. Uh, do that. It takes so, more energy, you know. Yeah. For something to heal, it takes energy. For something 100%. to regenerate, and if you it don't energy. have it, it's and if like, you don't have the right amount of energy, your body can't heal it. Exactly. And so that's how we like, end up with scar tissue and things. Hundred percent. Like so it's like you know, if if you're negative twenty millivolts, let's say, usually that you have cancer. Mm -hmm. So if you have that, you know, that percentage or that, you know, amount of millivolts, like your body can't do anything. Right. But what it essentially needs is just to get it up to negative 50 millivolts. Okay. And if it can do that, that's where healing can actually start to happen. So what PEMF does is it essentially gives you that energy that's so cool. that your body gets the boost to all of a sudden be like, oh, my God. I have the energy to make these cells again and it starts to make those cells again and your body never forgets how to heal. Right. So it's, it's just a matter of being depleted of the energy to do that. So right. if you just get that jolt, if you get that, like, as I like to jokingly call it, if you just get the juice for it, yeah. it's like, you know, your body can actually go back to what it was. But yeah. there's, there's a big principle in chiropractic that if we can remove what's interfering with the body, the body's going to heal naturally. You know, exactly. healing takes time, healing takes energy, but it's what our body does naturally. Exactly. So if we can create an atmosphere or an environment where our bodies can heal, yeah. which it sounds like this helps to create an environment where your body is more productive, more healing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really cool. It really so, is, yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely life-changing. I mean, I, I, I've tried to turn friends onto it. I mean, I have a good friend and he, he suffers from Lyme disease and mm. he swears by it. Um, he can't like seem to get it often enough because something like Lyme disease is, is a really difficult, um, convoluted right, right. scenario. Yeah. Um, but he literally has tried everything and he's just like, it's like the only thing that works for me. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. How, so like when you started, how often were you doing sessions? So when I first started, I would say like, I mean, my first sessions were intense. They were absolutely intense. And I would say they were probably like three or four hours long each. Okay. Um, and we kind of did it on the DL because um, I don't think my employers at the time right. uh, would have been stoked about it um, because, you know, let's just be real that there's a lot of one percenters who don't want to share their wealth. They don't want to share the inside information or right, tools right. or you know, modalities that they have. Um, yeah. So we kind of did it on the DL. And I even have to tell you, like, there was times I would be staying upstate for work and he would be up there too. He would even bring, like, the machine with him to mm -hmm. the hotel room. Uh, we would totally, like, sneak it into the hotel room and, like... Love it. It was, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty life-changing. I mean, I had, my entire life had always had, um, like, some palpitations and, mm -hmm. like, an irregular heartbeat. And the second session I did, my heart wait my my heartbeat w became normal and it's still normal and it had never been that's so cool and it was it was really crazy because i was like oh my god like this is nuts um but my my heart stuff had definitely de started to like deteriorate over time and like i would have been wiped out after like a single yoga class uh -huh. like i mean work was an issue everything was an issue it was just you know, like I couldn't lay on my left side because like the pain was so bad from like, you know, just feeling my heart kind of thing. Like none of that happens anymore. It's so, cool. it's so crazy. Um, so, I mean, like, here's what though. It's like, you know, I kind of got these huge sessions up front, if you will. Um, but the thing is, it's like my body was able to heal yeah. and my body was kind of able to get back to in a sense like where it was so now it's just a lot of maintenance but i don't even necessarily do it often um i don't really get to see my guy anymore he lives in texas now um i found a woman who was located in ridgewood i was going to for a little while um definitely during um the pandemic because i hadn't really seen arland in a minute because of the pandemic mm -hmm. and i could kind of start to feel like my body starting to deteriorate a little yeah um 
because obviously like anything, I mean, you, you got to keep up with your health, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like you can exercise and be the most fit you've ever been in your life, but that's not going to maintain into like the next two years. Like you have to keep up with that. Right. You got to keep brushing your teeth. It, it, 100%. <laughs> so yeah, I was going to this woman, Jenny. I found her in Ridgewood and then uh, she ended up moving down to Florida. So now I go to... Um, a woman, she's a chiropractor. She's cool. based out of Bay Ridge. But you can't really find these machines. Um, you can't really find people who are practicing. And I'll tell you what, they are not doctors yeah. because they, they can lose their license. And um, there's been a lot of um, conspiracy theories about, you know, some of these people who jump ship and uh -huh. these doctors who jump ship and, like, were like, I'm going to do this for my business. But, like, you know, they mysteriously disappeared or like turned up dead or like you know there's even shadow boxing that happens in regards to this kind of therapy so it's very much under the radar um but you can find it um my goal is to hopefully like sometime this year get myself one to have at home cool yeah um yeah it's it sounds like a really exciting therapy i'm I really am glad that you were able to come on and tell us a little bit about your experience with it. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I definitely would encourage everyone to look more into it because it sounds like it could be a big help for a lot of people. I mean, it can help with so many things, like anywhere from like Parkinson's to um, Alzheimer's to depression to, you know, just, um, you know, certain, like I said, you know, I had a couple of fractures. I mean, like for instance, my old boss, she had dropped like a huge bottle of wine or like a magnum or something on uh -huh. her toe she was wearing like sandals and Oof. she broke her toe and she had through I think like five six of these sessions uh -huh. she didn't she didn't need a cast like she did get an x-ray it was certainly broken she had several of these sessions and then it within a week she, she was she didn't have a broken toe anymore that's so cool it's it's crazy but like you know I, I've seen Definite evidence within myself, um, but also for other people that it actually does work. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I do talk about it. You know, I, it's not something I bring up all the time, but like when people, you know, have this, that or the other thing, I'm like, you know, there's this therapy. And I think most people think I'm out of my mind and I'm just crazy and that's fine. But I'm like, you know, it's, that's cool. And it's funny. Cause like, I'll, I, I always see if people are like walking out around like in a boot or like mm -hmm. a cast, I'm always like, Oh man, you don't even know. Like, it's just, you know, I feel like so many people are missing out on something that, um, could just be so healing and helpful, but exactly what we were talking about, how it's like, you know, they just want to give you this thing to, right. you know, take a pill for. And then, you know, within time, though, you know, it's going to essentially make you have to take another pill for something else because right. it's do like, you know, the, what is that? Dyskinesia, like, what is that? Dyskinesia. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, well, because you were taking this pill, now you have this. So we're going to give you that pill to deal with that. But right, it's right. Like, you know, it's like you're, you can borrow a cup of sugar from your neighbor for like, you know, however long, but like eventually like, you're, and I'm kind of making a reference to your body, like, you know, like your body can kind of like try to compensate for whatever kind of issue or dis-ease you have going on. Right. But that's only going to last for so long because, you know, it's not sustainable. You yeah. Know, same thing, like going to continue your, your neighbor eventually is going to be like, yo, go get your own sugar. Yeah. Like, I honestly. Think, I think that's a good thought for us to end it on. You know, yeah. I've been doing this podcast for a couple of weeks now. Good news. There's tens of people that listen every week now. So you Yay. just told tens of people about PMS. Yes. And hopefully in the yes, future yes. we will get that up to the hundreds and thousands. But for the time being, I hope so. I hope uh, so. thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, for my being pleasure. My first interview. Be I love uh, it. This was a lot of fun. And hopefully we can have you back on the podcast someday. I would someday. love to. Yeah, All right. This is, um, is there anything you want to shout out? I know you said you have a show coming up, right? I do. I do. Yeah. It's uh, at Bar Frida next Friday. Um, I, I, God, I don't even know what time. Cool. Um, I Probably cool. like 8 p.m. or the doors. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know. Wow. Uh, but we will have our EP release uh, June 30th. It's at Our Wicked Lady. Um, so we're super psyched about that. I'm sure we'll have more things pop up in May, but uh, we've been just kind of focusing on getting our task at hand done. And we've definitely been having shows, you know, pitched to us left and right, but we're like, nope, nope, nope. We got to keep our eyes on the prize right now. We got to like, Yes, because like I said earlier, it's like 
the second that you start like rehearsing for shows, it's like, you know, the, the new stuff, it's so... You gotta keep the main thing the main totally. thing. Totally. So yeah, um, June 30th, yeah. Though, that's, well, that's the show, and the release um, is I'll June be there. 23rd. Yeah. Um, glad to hear it, I'm glad things are going well. Congratulations yeah. on everything. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put notes on Instagram for all the shows and everything. Thanks. All right. Much appreciated. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Well, there you have it, folks. The first ever interview on the Total Dream Life podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was a lot of fun. Uh, big shout out to Katie Cooney for coming on the show and being the first uh, person to get interviewed by me. I will be eternally grateful to you. Uh, definitely check her out on Instagram. You can find her band, La Big Zero, at La Big Zero. That's L-E-B-I-G-Z-E-R-O. Um, and her cooking Instagram is at Katie, that's K-A-T-I-E, underscore Cooney, C-O-O-N-E-Y, underscore Cooks with an S. Uh, and you can check her out there as well. Uh, I'm going to share a link to the YouTube video that she was talking about with the PEMF therapy and a little more information on that. Um, and definitely, 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 if you're in the New York City area on June 30th, Make sure you're at Our Wicked Lady uh, in Brooklyn, New York for the EP release from La Big Zero. It's going to be a great show. I'm going to be there. Uh, we can connect. We can talk about the podcast. We can listen to some great music uh, and just kind of hang out and have fun. So if you're going to be in the area, hit us up and we look forward to seeing you there. Other than that, have a great week. Get out there. Get uncomfortable. Get grateful. Um, yeah. And enjoy the spring. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please remember to share this podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on social at Moby Dickert and learn more about me and the podcast at thomasdickert.com. Bye.